0: Hello, and welcome to the Armin Show podcast. Science, creativity, people learn more. We are always branching out into new categories. On this episode, we have something different. That's right. Founder, you could say, also scientist of sorts. Our guest today, referred by a past guest, by the way, very cool. If you remember Christina with her episode, this is Dr. Mike Liu. Welcome to the show.
1: How are you doing, Armin? Appreciate you for having me on. Uh, Thank you for uh, being able to uh, host me today and, uh, you know, happy to share everything about my uh, scientific journey, although that may have come to a a little bit of a a slight uh, pause in the road, so to speak. But, uh, you know, happy to discuss what we're doing in terms of technology as well.
0: Very cool. That is nice. Now, before we get into the fact that you are the founder of FreeFuse, which has alliteration in the name, You have done something like material science and such. Tell us your trajectory of study, why you went in that direction, why not some other direction. I'm always curious why someone is directed in one path.
1: Certainly. Um, So I think it's pragmatic sometimes to think through how someone maybe approaches how they do problem solving in order to understand maybe the path that they take. And in particular, in my own case, I've always looked at the world in, in such a way where I kind of like to break it up into little parts, uh, in in you know a way to kind of like look at what is sort of the macro part of what we're looking at, and then to break it up into smaller pieces. Um, and I think this came from when I was a child. Uh, I always had the propensity to play with you know Legos, and I always liked to see how something was constructed from the the bottom up, and that was what was always so interesting about science. Um, it's funny too, because you know one of the first things that you learn when you're a child or you know when you're in elementary school is you learn about the scientific method. You learn about how you can utilize these principles to develop a a, a set of, you know, sort of ways to think that will bring you through, and help you understand why something happened and give you an opportunity to understand kind of the highest leverage factors, right, and, you know, uh, independent, independent variables, right. And so when I was a child, I was really, really good at STEM, really, really good at science. And so I felt like because I was really, really good at science, you know, it was something that I should explore. And the more that I really enjoyed exploring it, the more I thought it was a viable career. But there was always kind of the hint in the back of my mind that I wanted to start something on my own, you know, not necessarily uh, just sort of work in a, in a lab or, you know, be part of something that was contributing towards something else. I wanted to have what I believe to be an opportunity to start something and really build it up all on my own. That was one of the most important things to me. But uh, over time, as I kind of, you know, moved through the world and, you know, got older, you know, came to university, I had an opportunity to make a choice, right? And I think all of our lives are about the culmination of all of the decisions that we particularly make, right? So in my case, I found that I had a decision to make uh, in, you know, culturally, I felt like it was uh, maybe in a sense much more palatable for me to go through engineering. It's obviously STEM focused, right? And it's something that in our culture, we feel is a a very respectable point of study, right? Um, So I think there was an inkling for me initially to want to pursue engineering because A, I had a vested interest in it, B, I thought that it could possibly lead me to creating something on my own and see, it kind of led into, you know, what would basically make, uh, you know, my family feel proud of me, right? Like, those were all, like, consistent factors. And I think, like, sometimes, you know, people want to say, like, hey, I, I did this, you know, for this particular reason. And um, sometimes they glance over maybe some of the outside forces beyond their own desires to go and do something, right? And so... I always like to look at the whole picture. And I think all of those forces were really important in making the decision. Um, I think as I got older, I got a lot better about what I should do just for the sake of myself and what would actually make me happy. But, you know, when you're a 17 year old kid going to college, you, you don't really know anything right? You, you, you're not really sure. So, that's true. <laughs> right. You know, so that's where I was at that moment in time. So I went down and made that decision. Um, But what was funny is I would say that my time in university was honestly less about being uh, very focused on engineering and more about actually figuring out ways that uh, I could almost meet as many people as possible, you know, join social organizations, you know, spent more of my time honestly connecting with people, which ironically became the most important part of what I do now, right? So it's hilarious that was actually the most useful skill that I learned there. But moving forward, I went and studied STEM, you know, was able to do that and was quite good at it too. You know, had some really cool projects we worked on, worked on um, a solar cell project, uh, worked on uh, a project for manufacturing and they were all really cool product, you know, products. There was like a laser focused product that we worked on. Um, you know, that was kind of like part of an internship and it was cool. It was, it was a really cool opportunity for me to, to really see that there was so many fun, interesting projects in the world. And so, you know, after I graduated, went into the working world and just noticed that there was opportunities, but opportunities that I just wasn't completely interested in, um, You know and obviously that's those are entry-level opportunities right you know not not every single entry-level opportunity is going to be like wow like this is amazing you know you know and so moving forward i thought to myself um i I thought to myself that uh it was a, a really interesting opportunity for me to explore um other avenues so i started working on um ways for me to explore whether there was ideas outside of engineering and thinking to myself, is there an opportunity for me to, you know, continue growing as a person? So I spent a lot of time in that exploration, seeing whether there was, uh, important elements for me to observe in the world around me. And once I got to a point where I felt like, you know what? there are all these cool other opportunities outside of you know working in engineering i should still explore these in tandem with my ability to actually piece things together and you know create really cool interesting products once i did that i felt like i was ready to explore you know further so for example uh, i wanted to explore uh, you know whether it was right for me to go and you know maybe look at lab work as a foundation for what I could start a company on, and that's why I went to grad school, right? Because for me, um, it was a good opportunity to see what was that world like, what was the rigors of studying in such a sense and moving forward, and so I spent, you know, uh, I spent pretty much like a couple years in a master's degree working on, uh, you know, corrosion-based experiments. And then uh, essentially, we—I I felt like I was hitting kind of like a wall in terms of how I felt that, uh, how I felt uh, about the actual study of engineering. And so once I hit that wall, I felt to myself, well, if this is what is going to be the trajectory for the next five, 10 years of my life, you know, and that's that's what happens when you get a graduate degree. A lot of your work is probably going to be you know, kind of experimentally focused, you know, working on projects, kind of working in labs, it just didn't sit well with me for a couple of reasons. One was I felt like there was not enough, at least in my particular focus, in terms of figuring out if I'm actually directly impacting somebody. A lot of what we were doing was really experimental, would take a long time to actually get out um, into market. And so I didn't realize what that would entail and so as I became more focused on it I realized how little you actually get to see this um, you know come to life and for me I didn't really want to dedicate five to ten years of my life to say okay maybe this will bear an impact on you know other people's lives so that's when I started to think through you know some of these initial business ideas um, thinking about, you know, ideas that could actually really directly impact people's lives, allow me to directly interact with the people that I was trying to serve and what we could build as products. And once I did that, I found a different kind of joy that I feel like wasn't existing as much as the problem solving aspect of engineering, but was if it was if mm, I would say as powerful, if not more powerful than the feeling that I receive from problem solving and engineering. And I would say that that was what really caused the shift from where I was thinking through an engineering mindset and all those problems to moving forward in uh, the sense of building an actual company and a business.
0: Hmm. A little bit of deconstructionist thinking in that process where you break things down into little pieces. I do some of that as well. It's kind of like reverse engineering, but you're an engineer, so you're both reverse and a forward moving engineer. That's cool. (laughs) <laughs> one thing <clears throat> one thing that comes to mind is for business, how have you approached coming up with business ideas? Does it start from scratch? Do you get ideas from the people around you? Where does that process, the brainstorming portion, start from to get some idea? Or is it from scratch?
1: Oh, that's a that's a great question. Now I think that there's a few flavors, right? Sometimes people will come up with business ideas where they sit there and they're like, I need to come up with a business idea, which I wouldn't recommend. Um, I think that there are two really good ways to do it. The first of which is you can come up with a business idea where it's directly impacting your own life. So it's like you are your own customer in a sense, right? And so if you know yourself really well and you know how you operate and what you're you know doing like let's say for example if you came up with a technology for podcasting you yourself right if you came up with a technology for podcasting or other podcasters you probably would have some very particular problems that you have right you some very particular things that you know really really well and you would probably be able to say you know what let me make something around this that would fix this right so there's a lot of people who make problems for their initial target market, which is really just them. Right? They they solve their own problem, and therefore, so many other people have that problem. And then you you kind of have the thought process of like, how really big is this problem? You know, can the actual set of you know features and things like that be adapted to other places? But when you initially first start out, that is a good way to to get started. The second way is, of course. And this is uh, something I remember watching on a webinar one time, which was you shouldn't really look to try and create, uh, you know, business ideas. Because a lot of the times you'll kind of just get like a gobbledygook of like a bunch of random stuff. You actually have a better time if you observe the world around you. Like any good scientist, right? Any good scientist knows that you want to go and observe the world around you in order to better understand the problems that you would like to solve. And there's, you know, if you look carefully and observe carefully, there are tons of problems, you know? Um, And, you know, people who are basically cobbling together different solutions or, you know, well, maybe even just avoiding the problem altogether. And if you can solve painful problems that people have that you observe in the world around you, then you can usually create something that can be a viable product now you always have to then once again think how big is this problem how many people have it and then you can figure out if it's a really um really good business idea and i think that what then comes out from that point is um and this is part of something called design thinking which is you want to utilize a divergent and convergent set of thinking where if you see tons of problems You let the ideas diverge and then you let them converge into a a solution that you think will work. So you try to come up as many ideas as possible, you know, see, figure out. Um, You can kind of just figure out whether, hey, there's all kinds of different ways we can solve this problem. And then you test it out and then you converge to a solution. And then you can kind of do that same process again to get to the most effective
0: way to solve said problem. It's like expansion and call consolidation process where you do a lot, as much as you can. Okay. And now let's narrow it down to what's functional for this solution. That's pretty cool. Exactly. Now, well, two things, but one prior to free fuse, were there any other efforts that come to mind? What happened with those or what would lead you to free fuse? If it looks like there's some trajectory.
1: Certainly. I think that sometimes you it's good to start something just so that you understand what rigors it takes for, to actually make something successful. And one of the things that I started originally, this is kind of part of maybe that divergent part of figuring out what was going on with ideas was, you know, there was a, a few courses that I was interested in understanding, okay, so how do I get to this point of like, you know, financial freedom, like actually having something that could create residual income for me. And I wanted to do something simple and small. I wasn't even really exploring tech at the time, um, where, so I was just kind of exploring like processes that could get me to a certain place. Right. So what I did was, um, I started exploring basically. Uh, a few ideas as it pertained to you know getting airbnb properties and then essentially from there allowing them to be rented out and having that be residual income right um and what i paired that with was a process of how do you actually go and get like home loans for that and then essentially go you know get the initial down payment on like a house or something and be able to rent those places out like what was the possibility of doing something like that so i started um you know kind of a small company while I was in Texas uh figuring out how I could go ahead maybe not flip houses but turn them into basically a suite of rental properties um but the, this is where I say like you should probably research whether you like something or not before you do okay. anything because I found that as I was doing it it wasn't really that interesting to me it just wasn't you know something that I really cared to do there was a lot of like little miscellaneous things like Trying to figure out like locks on doors, (laughs) for example, or like trying to figure out like, you know, trying to figure out like, hey, when is maintenance going to show up, like all of that stuff. And I was like, this isn't really that interesting to me. Like, this isn't really something that I'm really excited about. So after thinking about that for a while, um, I was like, okay, so this is, this was good to understand, okay, you need to figure out how to create a limited liability corporation like LLC. Um, And so you know, this was good for figuring out how strategically I needed to do this and figuring out all the the pieces and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, this isn't something that's interesting. So therefore, if I don't find it fulfilling, why do it, right? Yeah. And so I think that's a really important thing that if you're going to spend all your time working on something, it should be fulfilling. It should be something that you really absolutely enjoy. And so When that happens and you feel excited about something, you've kind of found that there's like this Venn diagram of three things where it's like passion uh, or, you know, ability. And I think there's like a third section where it's like feasibility, right? Like, um, it's like, do you, do you, are you actually, uh, are you actually able to do something? Like, are you actually good at doing that particular thing? Are you excited about it? And is it even possible, right? Like some trifecta of those three things. And in the middle, they say between those three things is like where an idea that you should at least explore should be. Um, I, I feel like, you know, maybe just kind of like working around the peripheries of even two of them is is still good to explore, but I think like the most viable things that you can do are in that particular middle. So, you know, if you find something that fits, checks all those boxes, You know, it's definitely something that you should, you know, start really investing some time in, at least just to explore research, you know, maybe create like a low fidelity, you know, clickable prototype, something like that. And so that was like the first thing, right? And the second thing that I started was, well, I kind of started it with a few other people, which gave me the taste of like doing something alongside others, right? And it really... That, this experience that came after that first experience was, how do we, how do you work with other people in a team, right? So, you know, so was still getting the, you know, engineering degree at the time, <clears throat> and I approached a friend of mine saying, you know, I'm kind of like on the side managing a few music artists, um, which I kind of still give advision vision to, uh, you know, some of those people as well to this day. But I'm kind of like, you know, managing some of them. We should look into, you know, creating some content because like, I think it would be good for these people. And so we started talking about that while I was here in LA, one of the summers. And he was really interested in not necessarily making like content for them as much as he was just making, he was interested in just making content in general, writing scripts, doing that. And so we sat down, we had a 30 minute chat and I was like, you know, that sounds pretty fun. Let's explore it. So, you know, over the course of the next like few months, we just wrote some scripts, had some, you know, fun times, you know, doing that. And what's funny is we like actually came up with the name for our current company now during that time. So we actually, yeah, we actually, what like, had originally called it, you know, free views basically because it was like an amalgam of different like creative people and all their styles coming together, all right now it's kind of like taken on a new life and meaning to have its own for this current company but that was the original thought process so as we were talking you know i was like okay cool we're going to need not just the two of us because it's almost like impossible to make i mean not that it's impossible to make productions with just one or two people but we wanted to really scale up our efforts and like try and you know try and build something that you know could have some significance which In a sense was, you know, in in that particular world makes sense, but also at the same time, like, you know, sometimes like a smaller team can really get a lot more done, which is what we found out. But as we kind of gathered more people, we, we got to the point where we had 50 people working with us at one time, right? And that's like, just like, you know, this little fledgling organization where we were just, you know, making content. I had some music artists on the side. It felt good to like pitch a vision and have like 50 different people who wanted to work with us at any given time. There was like a core group of us that were like, you know, 12 or 13 people who worked together. That's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 It it was nice. It was, it was good to say like, this is the vision and the fact that it was compelling enough, maybe was a good opportunity, um, for us to just say like, you know what, we, we can pitch something that is compelling to others that they would want to join, which would be important of course for later. Right. And, From going from that, we very quickly realized when you're really in your starting phases and you have so many people working together and you have no processes, it's like a recipe for disaster. You know, people feel like, you know, people feel like, oh, well, I'm not getting the type of shine that I wanna do. I'm not having my ideas heard. We had no processes for this. It's not not like we had a culture in place. It was just basically like a bunch of people who just thought it was a, a really fun idea to work together and we know it was fun like you know but the problem was i also left um back for texas like a month later and i was really kind of like a driving organizational force in terms of getting these things done keeping people accountable but once i was gone and you know back over you know in another state it was a lot harder for me to manage that right we weren't in a virtual completely virtual sense or world at that time so because of that You know, we kind of it's things like we're good in the first few months, but then, you know, slowly started to peter out in months three and four. Right. And we were just kind of like, okay, you know, this obviously isn't working. Let's just wrap this whole thing up and kind of move on with our lives. So with one of the people that I worked with, who eventually became one of the co-founders of our current company, he was saying uh, he essentially, you know, was still uh, was still interested in working together and so the two of us you know got together and i kind of pitched him on the idea that look there's this film called black mirror bandersnatch it's really really popular there's a lot of people talking about what they did all the different directions that they went down and you know all of this all of this stuff that they're talking about had to do with like right, you know how engaged they really were with the content now when i was a kid I used to actually read these choose your own adventure books. I used to collect them all the time. And there was, uh, you know, I had tons of them of the, you know, there's a particular series like goosebumps by RL Stein that I collected. And so I used to collect those books often, you know, would go through them and I was engaged even just reading a book. Right. And it was really annoying too, cause you had to like flip to different pages to go to, go to this page. If you go, if you're doing this, go to this page, if you're doing this. And I was like, okay, well, You know, this basically solved all the annoyance of that. The only problem I I had with the Netflix version, excuse me, was that you, every time you got to an ending or, you know, got to a point where you could go no further, they took you all the way to the beginning. And so that really annoyed me and uh, it it definitely annoyed a lot of other people. I could understand why you would want to do it, but that to me always annoyed me that I couldn't just go back and like explore other stuff. Like I could understand if you're trying to like get people to like rewatch it, like, but it would at least be nice to like go back a few points where you had a decision point and like try and make a different decision so that you you know you could know. So that was one of the things that always annoyed me about that piece of content. So basically when I was talking to one of the the guy who would eventually be my future co-founder of the company, I just said, hey I think this format is like really versatile and interesting. We should explore it insofar as what it, it could possibly do for a lot of different fields where it's not really being applied in. And we spent a lot of time like thinking about it. I, I, took a, I remember I took a bus ride up to like SF. It's like an eight hour bus ride. And I sat there for eight hours and like thought about like what this could possibly be. And the only reason why I even took, like, the bus ride was, A, I thought it would be funny, honestly, and B, um, I wanted to, to, like, take that time to really think, you know, like, because, like, when you wrap up something, you always want to reflect on, like, what went wrong and why. So I spent that time kind of reflecting. And then I really spent, I spent, like, four hours of that bus ride reflecting on what I could have done better. And then I spent the other four hours, like, thinking about what could this really be. And so that kind of, like, planted the seeds to where we are today.
0: Huh? Those moments of thinking are a key thing to be away from uh, media and just have time to process. So I get the, the very valuable nature of that. Now, free fuse is the item you have uh, created in sorts. Would you be able to describe what it does and showcase the aspects of it to us?
1: Yeah, certainly. So I'll uh, kind of give a, a really quick and, and brief demonstration. So essentially, as I've alluded to, it's taking the choose your own adventure principles, um, but actually applying them to video content. And where we have actually this initial target of you know sort of people that we're looking to help, they actually are those in corporate training, um, learning and development, uh, people who you know have a lot of content that's uh, you know very uh, educational in nature, learning in nature. But uh, what we allow is essentially to utilize a system that can automatically transform it into uh, a much more engaging and a much more personalized resource. So people can actually utilize uh, what we have is two different versions of or two different parts of the tool basically the first part of the tool is a manual version which is you can basically end-to-end control an experience um, so you can actually go and create all kind of different pathways um, you know for what we've called it initially for this target market we call them learning pathways but you can really use it any way you like and then there's of course the um the artificial intelligence component which we have which actually breaks up everything automatically pretty much the way i pitched it is uh, it's the equivalent of Amazon's one-click buy. We have one-click edit, right? So that's kind of how that works. Now, I'll go ahead and show you an example of both. Cool. Give me a second here. So this is the case, and you see me, this is like our when we did our pilot program, our first video. It's funny, you have like this wrinkled screen in the background, but funny enough, this was actually utilized when we were really aimed towards university classes. Mm-hmm. And so as you, I don't know if you can hear that, but, uh, I think it's only playing in my headphones, Yeah. but essentially you had the opportunity to make a choice. are you, are you a student or are you a teacher? Mm-hmm. Cause this was really more of like a how to, um, and then everything was actually created in these different branches. So these are all like the different pathways you can go down. And what's really great is, uh, you know, we can actually see, uh, sort of how you progress. So it's a much easier way for you to move through, uh, the content itself, right? And as you can see here, excuse me, this is actually, uh, we actually showcase the uh, most popular path here as well. Um, And what we see here is you can actually see what decisions you as the viewer have made. So let's just say, for example, um, I'm gonna go ahead and make a choice here. So I can say, I wanna learn more about the community. And then essentially what you see here is something that actually has populated for the community. Now, in terms of the auto editing, uh, this was actually a video, um, from zoom that was created. And, uh, what was really, really cool about this is, uh, this gentleman right here, he and I had a chat over zoom and we were, and, uh, you know, they're actually gonna be utilizing our services as well for some of their clients for podcasting, um, cause they're gonna use the auto editor. And so it's similar to just like, you know, Zoom broadcast, you know, it still has the same capabilities. Sorry there, I don't know why that's doing that. Um, Let me refresh the page here. But um, similar to a Zoom broadcast, wait a second here, actually still will have the choices come up, right? And then I can go ahead and make a choice. And so it's similarly follows that same trajectory. And now, so for this piece of content, this was a 40-minute Zoom piece mm-hmm. of content, and then it transformed uh, everything into this tree from a 40-minute linear video, broke everything down util- utilizing artificial intelligence and labeled everything into this tree structure, right? So literally, you know, all you have to do is go over here, click on auto-editor, and then you can upload a video and then walk away, and then it'll be done basically in 15 minutes well depends on how long it is but like on average if it's like an hour it'll take like 15 minutes but it's essentially saving you tons of time uh in rather than having to do that and so the best part is we also have an opportunity to actually tabulate all of our data so we can actually see the number of views the actual average watch time so we actually know what people are spending their time on And we actually know where they're kind of like dropping off in terms of the content. So there's a really nice feedback loop. And finally, once you see the data and understand how people are using the content, you can actually go back in here and add extra segments or delete segments that no longer matter. So, you know, it's basically like we say, it's growing or pruning your tree. And that's the way that we've always kind of like pitched it in regards to, uh, you know, sort of the tree analogy. And then last but not least, you can actually add anybody uh, from your, from your network to, uh, who, uh is following you and, um, you, you follow them back. Um, you can actually go ahead and add them in here and they can add pieces of content as well. So there's an opportunity to also collaborate from all over the world. So that's pretty much how our system
0: works. This is quite cool. It takes a, it can take a video that you make such as an episode or a piece of content It distills it down into various clips that it even labels for potential sharing or showcasing. And it does that on its own without you having to do anything really. Exactly. The value of the system. I can see it because I can understand as a content creator, you, if you're not excited about the editing portion, this takes care of one of the most hefty portions to then make shareable content or even clickable content that people can watch. Just those parts, the label is mm-hmm. already done. So you don't have to go back and watch it and label it. So this is replacing quite a few steps of effort. That's a cool feature that you have there. Dang, free views. And then um, one, one check on that is who is the target market or have you envisioned the specific people that are most likely to use free views?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, our initial target market has actually been uh, you know, corporate trainers, people who are working in learning and development, uh, those who are creating individual coaching and training programs as well. So um, those are kind of some of our initial target market right now and it's done really, really well. Um, we've been able to really build up our, our you know, user base and people who find that this product is actually able to help them personalize their trainings and create um, engagement automatically using our system. So it's really like a way for them to control end to end different pathways that people can go down. And, uh, you know, we have, you know, customers in the U S and from all over the world now. So it's been a really, really gratifying experience in that way.
0: Hmm. Has this led you to connect with any people you would not have connected with otherwise that might be interesting or put you in certain places that you may not have otherwise? running through this project.
1: Um yeah, definitely. I would say that there is quite a few people that I've become introduced to that, you know, when you first start something, you aren't sure where it will take you, but as time has gone on and I would say maybe there was an opportunity for us to gain legitimacy. Uh, you know, people started to hear, you know, you start to kind of get better at describing your product. You start to get better at explaining what the vision is. You get a lot better at, you know, showing how it could be important in people's lives. There there comes a certain level of, I would say, respect that people have for you. And over time, they're more comfortable with introducing you to more people. Um, And I've also been open to reaching out to people and saying, hey, um, you know, I think what you're working is cool. I'd I'd love to be helpful. And just learning how to connect with people in a meaningful way has allowed me to explore all kinds of new opportunities. And so that's been really gratifying for me as well. Mm.
0: Is there a specific location that it's helpful for you to be physically to work on this? Are you doing it completely remotely? What is the location-based nature of working on such a thing?
1: Yeah, and I'm, I think that right now with any kind of like software as a service products, um, you know, the trend is right now allowing people to do work from home, you know, and I I believe the same thing. I think it's important to allow people to be at their highest comfort in order to get the best results, you know, and that's true for myself, right? Having, you know, having done the Los Angeles commute to a place, right? That is always something that's really annoying to me, right? And so it always drained my energy when I was driving out and working in places in like Westwood and stuff. And so thinking about it now, I mean, I was I was thinking to myself, that was maybe like in two and a half, three hours of my life every day. And I really extrapolated it out. Like if you think about it, that's up to fifteen hours a week. You're driving and doing that. Right. Like, you know, so 15 hours a week, what could I be putting that time into? And then I thought about it and I was like, well, if I'm not having to drive anywhere, I could probably, you know, do X amount more calls. I could probably do something where I actually maybe have an hour to myself to, you know, as like nice fulfillment time, whether it's like meditation or something like that, you know? And and the longer I thought about it, and I was like, okay, this is a no brainer. Like work from home is how we'll operate as well. And it's funny, I was actually doing work, uh, the work from home Stuff before even COVID, um, so I've been I've been doing that because our team was distributed anyway. We were all in different parts of SoCal. I was in Texas at the time, so working in an office just didn't really make any sense. And and we're tech, you know, we're basically like an internet based technology. So like you know, it doesn't it doesn't affect how we work even if we are in person or not. But I, in order to kind of offset not seeing each other in person. I try to do my best to, you know, bring in, you know, as many, uh, to do like strategic, you know, syncs as possible, like weekly syncs, you know, to make sure everybody can see each other, be on the same page, just to build that trust component. And then, you know, there's conferences where we can all meet up in person. Like two of us who, or two of our team members had never met in person. So uh, about, a, a you know, six weeks ago, back in April, like I basically, um, got our team tickets to a conference that they could all go to. So we got, uh, we got free tickets to the conference and I basically, you know, put out, um, the cost for, you know, getting everybody flown in and they were able to meet each other. Right. And so those are like little things that I felt like were of strategic importance, um, such that, you know, people, people felt like they could trust each other. And that was really important for me.
0: That's a cool feature. That's nice. They brought everybody together. My last question for you for today is you mentioned meditation and you also mentioned the quiet bus ride for thinking. What has been the value for you of empty space or blank time to process?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And I think that a lot of people should take that time out, honestly, whether it's just 15 minutes of you just kind of unplugging from everything. I think everybody should do that. And what you should do is find it, find a time where, you know, you can just go ahead and go to a place where you can take a moment to take a deep breath from everything going on around you and just relax. Right. When you do that, it becomes a lot simpler for you to look at the world. I feel like, or look at your problems in a sort of different way. Um, But more importantly, I feel like it helps you sort of, get in touch with yourself a lot better you know what are some of the things that are really top of mind and if you can kind of like quiet yourself down i've found that when you take that moment to not just reflect but maybe even meditate on a thought process or an idea and just sort of you know maybe not think very hard about it but like just allow yourself to kind of unplug from everything um i feel like i get a lot more creative um i feel like i actually am able to think through problems in a different way after I do that. And so that's what I really enjoy exploring through that experience is sometimes I'll like, you know, kind of just sort of decompress and think to myself, okay, so what, you know, what are some of the things that I should be considering here? And I'll sort of like take a moment, you know, then quiet everything down and I don't just sit there and think, but I'll just like, let everything be silent. And then once I have like about maybe 10 or 15 minutes, then I'll go and start thinking about it you know, and just taking that time to find that quiet moment can really lead to some really interesting, creative uh, avenues. So that's kind of what I've been exploring as well.
0: I like that message right there. It can branch out to things that you wouldn't have seen otherwise, even though it was empty space. Dr. Mike Liu, I would like to thank you for joining on this episode, sharing a bit about your past, giving us a bit of messages and showcasing free fuse app with an actual visual for us to take in and how it can distill Absolutely. a video to pieces and even label and other elements to it. Glad to have you on this one.
1: All right. we well, appreciate you, Armin. Thank you so much for uh, having me on the show as well and uh, looking forward to seeing the episode come out.
0: You know it. And we are out.